And speaking of the word, our gospel reading for today, continuing in the gospel of John in the 20th chapter. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, the one who was called the twin, one of the 12 was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said, unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the marks of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, Jesus' disciples were again in that same house and Thomas was with them this time. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, here it is, second Sunday of Easter. I have to tell you that in my career as a chaplain and a transition pastor, I have preached pretty much every second Sunday of Easter because in the days when we were all like not virtual, this was a Sunday that most pastors took off. And so I always had a supply preaching gig. So Thomas and I go way back. A few years ago, people started referring to this Sunday not just as Low Sunday, which is what it was called for a long time because people would often take vacation from church on this Sunday, but it became called Holy Humor Sunday. Now, I understand that UDLC has a pretty long tradition with Holy Humor Sunday, I do not have funny hats today. I do not have noisemakers. You may supply your own. But I wanted to give a little bit of a word about holy human, holy human, that too, but holy humor Sunday today. So here's my one holy humor joke. Are you ready? I'm not a great joke teller. What time of day was Abraham born? Anybody know? You ready? A little before Eve. Ha! Holy humor. Oh, there's one more. What kind of person was Boaz before he was married? Come on, think about it. Ruthless. Boaz married Ruth. Look it up. Anyway, 
Holy Humor Sunday isn't just about funny hats and telling jokes. In fact, if you look at the word humor in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, I'm a dictionary reader, I confess, you might see the definition that says that humor refers to a thing that is absurdly incongruous, where the pieces don't match up. That's the background to how Holy Humor Sunday began. It was an acknowledgement that the irony of the resurrection is that the devil thought he'd won. Evil seemed victorious, but God got the last laugh. In an absurdly incongruous story that we cannot fully explain, Jesus is resurrected And we become a people of God with a Savior who leads us in remarkable directions. Ah, that's the kind of humor I like. But I also like this description of Holy Humor Sunday that um, the pastor of Shepherd of Hill Lutheran Church in Sparta, New Jersey, I am sorry if you are listening to this, I could not find your name on the website, But here's how it was described by this pastor. It's the second Sunday of Easter. It's the best, most outrageous, exciting, world-changing day. Things happened. Death could not keep Jesus from us. And sometimes in the midst of life's traumas, our processing, our making sense of the surreal and seemingly impossible, we need to laugh. We need to smile. We need to dance. I love that. That's holy humor. That place where we see the indwelling of God's spirit and life with us in such a remarkable way that we cannot contain it. We need to laugh and smile and dance and be joyful. Or maybe we just need a break from Thomas. Every year on this Sunday... We talk about Thomas and we talk about him as doubting Thomas, but maybe holy humor gives us a break. Not so much a break from Thomas, but maybe a break from simply seeing Thomas as doubting Thomas and simply seeing this scripture lesson as being about Thomas. Not that there's anything wrong with the reflections that we always have, the reminders that faith and witness arise from doubt and fear, the reminder year after year that Jesus comes to find us wherever we are and will be persistent in his pursuit of us if and when we are lost or missing. It is helpful every year for us to reflect on Thomas, not just as doubter, but as confessor, and to think about how we label things and people and how we cling to those labels and how we let go of them. But maybe there's more to be said, specifically more for the last Sunday in a transition process when it is the transition pastor who is now going on to other things who is giving you the word and the message. I was inspired by something I saw online by another pastor, another Lutheran pastor, the pastor at Advent Lutheran Church in Michigan. His name is Tim Jan, and he writes this. 
I've heard a lot of Thomas got a bad rep sermons. Good ones. Sermons that built up my faith. But every year, I'm struck by how much that tends to center a typically Western middle-class post-enlightenment worldview. Maybe it's time to ask whether this text in which Jesus is known by his wounds, in which Jesus bestows peace on friends who abandon him, in which the church as a whole adopts Mary's proclamation and says, we have seen the Lord, in which Jesus grants the Holy Spirit, gives us the keys of forgiveness of sin, and sends us as the Father sent him. Maybe it isn't all about Thomas. Maybe it's about Thomas and even more. Pastor Tim's thoughtful comments inspired me. I thought what I should do as the almost former transition pastor here was maybe to give you today as blessing Easter takeaways for a visioning congregation. And by the way, let me share with you that I understand visioning congregations as a constant that we are always in the process of asking, where is God leading us today, individually and as congregations? That that's a question of faith vitality. So imagine getting up every morning and with your first cup of coffee, that's the first question you ask. Or when you meet with a church committee or as church council, that that's the first question you ask as prayer, supplication, Where is God leading us today? What's the vision? Well, dear church, this is my list to you with all God's blessings. First takeaway, be willing to name your wounds and to show them. Wounds of the church can go deep. They are part of history. They are the conflicts you have experienced. They are the slights that you may have felt They are the things that come to us individually that make us wonder whether God's word is truly from us. They are corporate wounds as well as the individual wounds of fear and guilt and brokenness. They reflect the story of the passion where even those closest to Jesus abandoned and betrayed and fell asleep and denied and doubted and ran away. The Thomas part of this story is that Jesus didn't return that day to see his disciples with his wounds hidden. In fact, he went there with wounds ablazing. Here they are. Look at them. Touch them. Put your woundedness on my woundedness and let me take it. It is so easy for churches and individuals of God to hide the wounds. But Easter invites us to see how Jesus' wounds meet with ours, heal them, and move us forward. The words to Thomas in his woundedness are not, my wounds are gone. They are not words of shame, 
But Jesus gives Thomas and us, in the midst of woundedness, words of peace. Hold that. Name your wounds. Be willing to share them. God will give you the strength. In faith, always speak your doubts and fears and know you are not alone in them. Second, notice who and what is missing. And if and when the things that are missing come, return, are part of you, rejoice in what is restored and listen. Listen to how people became missing, why they came back, what held them, what brought them. There will be a demographic section in the transition report, and it will show, uh, here's a spoiler alert, it will show that this congregation's demographics very much reflect the demographics of this community. But the question of faith and the question of what is and who is missing might be, is it enough for a congregation to reflect the community that it is in, or does it need to go a step further and see not only who is missing in the church, but in the community and reach out in that place? Reach out to those voices. And when those voices come, to listen to them. Listen to voices that have been silenced. What if no one had heard Mary Magdalene when after seeing the Lord, she listened to him and went and told? Who are we missing? Who are we not hearing? And how can those voices become part of the witness and the wonder and the joy and the humor and the life of this congregation? That was two or three together. The next thing on the list is breathe. You've all heard me say this. I do a lot of breath work in my job. I tell people to breathe all the time. Because when people are anxious or afraid, when people are in pain, when people are dying, they need to be reminded about breathing and what that breathe breath work can do. Whenever I say to people, just breathe, the first thing they do is exhale, <sighs> is what they do. But breathing, it turns out, has two steps, Right? And in order to really exhale well, we have to inhale well. We have to take that deep breath that fills our lungs and our cells and our spaces. We need to hold that breath until we feel it in every pore of our being and then breathe it out. And then repeat and repeat and repeat. As in this text, in other places in scripture, Jesus never sends out without first filling us with the spirit, with bread and wine, with the water of baptism. Every time you do something in this congregation, stop, take a moment and breathe in that spirit. Feel 
how God's Spirit is awakening every single pore of your body, every corner of your congregation, every nook of this building. Breathe it in, hold it, and then breathe out the ministry that becomes possible when you are filled with that breath. And closely related, wait. You've been around 250 years. Not everything is urgent. And when we take time to breathe, it takes time. Breathe. Let that breath be prayer. Wait for God's leading and direction. Can you imagine if every time a committee met or council met, the first thing you did was just to look at each other and say, let's just breathe in the spirit and then let's do the business of the church, knowing that our very pores are infused. Oh, the list could go on and on. Forgive and accept forgiveness. Get out of the room. But here's the one that I want to leave you with and that I hope you will take. Be ready to be gobsmacked. When I read again and again the word of God that describes resurrection, I try to imagine what it would be like to be in that room in that place of such intense grief that all I can do is pull down the shades and lock the doors and know that Jesus entered into that place, the one who I thought was dead, the one who I thought had abandoned me, the one who I could not find any longer, the one who left the tomb open, came right into that space. The only word I can imagine is gobsmacked blown away by the enormity of what that gift is. What has happened in the life of disciples and the world? We tell the story again and again because it is so important. It is the, it is the foundation of all we are. Be gobsmacked by what God has done. Celebrate Easter every single Sunday with the same enthusiasm, with trumpets and alleluias and butterflies and bunnies and lilies and flowers and gobsmacked faith that you do on Easter Sunday every time you meet because that's what gives us that breath of spirit that sends us forward and teaches us vision and brings us to the place where we show and tell what we have received. Oh, people of God, holy humor, holy wonder, holy resurrection. This is what we are left with. So maybe this Sunday isn't just about Thomas. Maybe it's just about Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
Remember what I read at the beginning? This is Easter. It's the best, most outrageous, exciting, world-changing thing that has happened. Death could not keep Jesus from us. And in the midst of all the rest, all the rest, we laugh and smile. And in celebration of all we've been given, and in the vision that God will hold for us today and every day, we don't forget to dance in the name of the Lord. Amen.